passive income without the property headache? It's possible. There's a way to invest passively in real estate and get monthly income without any tenants, maintenance, or property management. The wealthy have been doing this for years, and if you're an accredited or high net worth investor, you too can collect cash flow without the headaches that come from owning rentals. How? By investing in a private real estate fund with PPR Capital Management. PPR's co-founder, Dave Van Horn, wrote the book on real estate note investing for BP. But he's not just investing in notes. Dave and his team also have an extensive background in commercial real estate. And with PPR Capital Management, they're strategically investing in both notes and commercial real estate nationwide. With over half a billion dollars in assets under management, PPR has provided individuals with a steady source of truly passive income since 2007 without ever missing a payment. Check them out at investwithppr.com. Again, if you're looking to get monthly passive income from an experienced team with a strong track record, go to investwithppr.com today. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com host. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So how do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers a targeted 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split with 70% of net profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, are first in line to get paid. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of a physical asset mitigate downside risk. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by directing your funds from Wall Street to Main Street and supporting local economies. The investment is reserved for accredited investors. Take control of your investments and secure more passive income today. Visit pinefinancialgroup.com biggerpockets to learn more about the fund. That's pinefinancialgroup.com biggerpockets. This is the Bigger Pockets podcast show 350. Yeah, it's the whole idea of like, Basically, you get something new or you do something for the first couple of weeks and it feels super uncomfortable or super different. But two or three weeks later, it's kind of normal, right? It's like if you were to buy a Ferrari, the first two weeks, you're going to feel like a cool cat in that Ferrari. And then week three, it's going to be your car. So it's the same thing with the house hack. You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Stay tuned and be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. What's going on, everyone? This is Brandon Turner, host of the Bigger Pockets podcast, here with Mr. David Green. What's up, buddy? Welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I'm having a great time. I actually was out this weekend running the trails like I told you about. And I, I was uh, I was running down a hill and I was I kind of got cocky because I'm starting to get in better shape and I was in, in feeling good. <laughs> so I started to go way too fast. My toe hit a rock and I did that like weird spiral thing where you're starting to fall and tried to save it and I couldn't and I just ate crap and like skidded down that hill. It was very painful. But uh, did, did anybody else listen to this just now? Their first thought was someday Dave is going to turn this into an analogy. This is, this is hands down going to be an analogy someday. I That's love, okay. That, this is where the fuel comes from. I pay a price for, to get these analogies, right? Like <laughs> there's pain associated. So I hope y'all appreciate what there I'm going go. through. But I uh, mean, have y'all ever like been really confident about a, a real estate deal? You felt really good going into it and then you just fell on your face. Yeah. That's, you know what? That, Yep. Today's guest actually shares mm. a story of when he got he too does. confident and he didn't screen a tenant and he stubbed his toe and he stumbled all the way down into a painful lesson that he had to learn. Um, and he's going to share that with you guys today. So make sure you listen all the way to the end because it's a really good story. Thank you, Brandon. That was a wonderful setup. You gave purpose oh, to thanks. my pain and that's what a good friend does. <laughs> that's what a friend does. All right. Before we get into today's show, though, let's get to today's quick tip. All right, our quick tip today is simple. Look, this episode is one that I believe has the potential to like really change people's life, like somebody's life. And a lot of people are going to listen to this and like the direction of their life is going to shift. It's like an airplane taking off in one way. If you shift it just a few degrees, they end up thousands of miles in a different direction. That's what this episode could do. So here's what I'm asking. 
If you listen to this show and you're like, wow, this is really good information, share this with somebody. Just go and share this with somebody who might love the idea of house hacking and that could change their life and the idea of financial independence forever. So do it. You can share with one person individually or just go put it up on your like Instagram or something. You can tag me or at Beardy Brandon or David Green 24 at Bigger Pockets. You know, let us know so we can kind of jump into those conversations as well. But the idea being, we want to get this message out to as many people as possible because we believe that house hacking is one of the best strategies for like building a good foundation to financial independence that there is. And Craig just goes into depth today on how to get that done. So, I mean, house hacking changed my life when I got started with real estate. It changed David Green's life here. And we talk about that in today's show as well. So that's my not so quick, quick tip. tip. Cool. All right. Well, let's, let's one get last this thing, thing before we get into it. Yeah. Oh, oh what? Huh? What's Awkward? the one last thing? Yeah. Why'd you make it weird? Let's get into this thing. So today's guest is Craig Curlop. Craig is a buddy of mine. He actually, I first heard about Craig a few years ago because he applied for a job at Bigger Pockets as a financial analyst. And he came in and I realized I mean, he got the job and I realized right away there was something like different about Craig. He was a rock star, like just one of those guys that you just go to to get stuff done. In fact, David mm-hmm. Green even here coined the term curlopped. So if you curl up something, it means you're like you just like above and beyond, like yeah. just do awesome stuff. So Craig's an awesome guy. But what even more impressive was Craig took the advice he was learning on Bigger Pockets had never bought any real estate, and within like two months had bought a deal, house hacked it, and then has bought more since then. And I've kind of been able to watch this entire journey uh, through the power of house hacking, be able to achieve really like financial independence. So he's even on Instagram now as like the Fi guy. If you go to at the Fi, F-I guy, you'll find Craig. Uh, he's that, that guy that's like the financial independence guy. So today's interview is with him on how to get started with house hacking. What is house hacking? Why it works for people, not just for, you know, single young people, but it works for any anybody. Uh, we talk a lot about things called the, the hedonic adaptation, which is a super powerful, I guess, term that can both hurt you or help you depending on how you look at it, which is really, really good. Uh, we also talk a lot about how to find house hack deals, what makes a good deal, why you can pay more than house flippers or, or multifamily investors by house hacking. And we have a great conversation about the, what we call, what Kevin, actually our producer calls the comfort continuum. Kevin actually labeled that one. So we're going to give him a shout out. So nice job, Kevin, the comfort continuum and it to, again, total like life-changing stuff. So uh, without further ado and without further building up the show, cause it's going to stand on its own. Let's, Oh, you know what I should say before I bring Craig, <laughs> I'm just making this whole intro weird. Today. This, there's a little more ado. It's not without yeah, further ado. Let's hear some ado. Yeah. <laughs> some ado. <laughs> the re- one of the reasons today we're talking with Craig is because we are actually launching a book today on bigger pockets, a book that I've been looking forward to for years. It's called the house hacking strategy, and it walks you through exactly how to do house hacking. So, I mean, we go into depth today, but if you want a full book on this topic, go to biggerpockets.com slash house hacking. You'll find information on the book there. Again, biggerpockets.com slash house hacking. And of course, we talk about the book later on in the episode, about a half hour from now. So now, without any more ado, <laughs> let's bring in Craig to the Bigger Pockets podcast. All right, Craig, welcome to the Bigger Pockets podcast, man. Good to have you back again on the show. How you doing? Hey, Brandon and Dave. Thanks for having me here. Yeah. So we're going to talk about house hacking today because that is something that you do and you've done and you wrote a book about and I did and love it. And technically, David Green here has done it and and pretty much anyone who's the coolest people in the world have done it. So let's talk about how it's done. First of all, house hacking. What is it? And then I'm going to go into your story. But first, let's just get it out. What is house hacking? Yeah, so house hacking is basically a new type of real estate investing for newbies. It is basically when you buy a one to four unit property, you live in part of it, you rent the other part out. So the rent from your tenants is covering your mortgage and you get to live for free. And what makes house hacking so powerful is that you are able to do it with a three to 5% down rather than putting that typical 20 to 25% down. So you really don't need to save that much to do it and you can quickly eliminate that housing expense. So why one to four unit? Why would somebody care about that? So because a bank will not give you a loan unless it is a residential property and their definition of a residential property is between one and four units. And that, that loan will basically say that you will live in the property for one year, which is why you also have to live there. So you're not going to get one of those three and a half percent down really nice and more, or even 3% some banks will do now. You're not going to get one of those crazy low down payments if you're buying a 12 unit or something. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You got to be one to four. There we go. Okay. Now you started with house hacking sort of, but in a little different way. Now, when I, when I used to house hack, I, my first was a duplex. I, well, technically speaking, I guess I owned a single family house. I rented out the bedrooms and then I moved into a duplex, rented out the unit. So you could call both those house hacking. Uh, Cause you did say one to four units, which means single family or whatever. So walk us through the beginning of your story. If you were on the show before a long time ago, but for those who didn't hear that show, what's your story? I mean, where, uh, how'd you get into this whole real estate thing? Yeah, for sure. So it all started when I guess I was 23 years old and I was in a job that I hated out in California. And basically I decided that I did not want to spend the rest of my life working and how, basically how to, how to figure out like, how do I get out of this? Right. And yeah. so I, I learned, I read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week and I learned that I needed a passive stream of recurring income to get over that. And now after dumb startup idea, after dumb startup idea, because <laughs> I was in Silicon Valley, I realized that, man, why try to reinvent the wheel and try to start something that no one's ever like that no one's ever heard of before when I can just go into real estate investing it's tried and true and everyone does it. So then, you know, I stumbled upon bigger pockets, all that kind of stuff. And then I watched a bunch of your webinars, Brandon, and yes. decided that house hacking was 100% the reason why, like that is the jump start to kind of get started in real estate investing. So my first one, I moved to Denver to work at bigger pockets. And within two months of moving to Denver, I closed in my first house hack, which was a duplex it's, it was a two bed, it was a two bed, two bath. So each unit had one bed, one bath. And it was an up down duplex just north of city park, which is Denver's largest park. So great location. I could still walk or bike to work, which also was super helpful. And it was totally redone. So I didn't have to worry about construction or anything like that. It was just get in there and start managing tenants and start managing the property. So what I did with that one was I rented the top one out full time. And I lived in the bottom and that still wasn't quite covering my mortgage. That was my main goal was to cover the mortgage. So I got a little bit creative and I Airbnb'd out my bedroom and I made like a quasi bedroom out of my living room. So I put up a, a room divider and a curtain and put a futon behind there and live behind a curtain on a futon for a year while Airbnb it out my bedroom and basically having a revolving door of, of roommates coming in and out. That's crazy. Yeah. The, 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 Curtain in the living room. I remember last time you were on the show, we talked a lot about that and made a lot of jokes about that. It's uh, <laughs> yeah. it's crazy, but it's also like, look, it's not, if this was important to you, like you made it work. Like you were like, hey, financial independence is important. Getting my mortgage covered is important. So I'm going to sacrifice and do what needs to be done. And this is a phrase that you, I think you have in your book. And I, I think I've heard you say it before. The idea of like comfortable comfortability versus profitability, right? Like what, do, what yep. do you mean when you say that? Yeah. So, so there's tons of ways you can house hack, right? But the ultimate thing, and I feel like this is with almost anything in life, and I think David Green, you could probably attest to this as well, is that the more comfortable you are, the less profitable your endeavors will likely be, right? When you're, right, if I, I could have kept that up my own bedroom, yeah. and that is super comfortable, but I wouldn't have been covering my mortgage. I would have probably still been paying three or four hundred dollars a month to my mortgage, which is still way better than no. not doing that. But I really had a goal to just cover that. And so, you know, there's multiple types of house hacking that you can get into, right? The one that I did was kind of a quasi like traditional Airbnb. There's the rent by the room, which is slightly uncomfortable because you're living with roommates and people that you don't know. But if you want to kind of move up that comfortability scale and do what I think Ben Leibovich coined it, the luxury house hack, which is when you buy like a large house, the house of your dreams, but it has a mother-in-law suite or maybe an additional dwelling unit out back. And you rent that out, live in the house of your dreams, and you just have people coming in and out, renting out your mortgage, and you don't actually share any space with them. Yeah. So, Yeah, that's that's actually kind of exactly what I'm doing here in Hawaii right now. Because I have like this ocean view house, right? With a pool and everything. And I'm like, if I wanted to, now I, I only rent out one of the units. It's actually three units total. I only rent one of them. If I rented the other one out, I'd be able to live for not quite free, but like it was like a thousand bucks a month is where I'd be at. But if I, if I had moved into the smaller of the houses and rented out the one I'm currently living in, I'd live for free with an ocean view and a pool in Hawaii. And so, yeah, yeah. luxury. I mean, it, this works at the, I mean, people complain sometimes, oh, I live in an expensive market. This is not possible. I'm like, no, you don't live in a more expensive market than me. No one lives in a more expensive market <laughs> than me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe somebody out there, but like, you don't like, if you can house hack at a $2 million price level, you can also house hack at a $40,000 price level, right? Yeah, exactly. It's just, the numbers are just bigger, but they all work the same. I yeah. think it's important to point out when we typically look at will my will my uh, rent cover my mortgage? That's like the holy grail. If you can get your mortgage covered, you're good. But if you're a hundred bucks short, it's literally just a hundred dollars. It doesn't mean that you failed yeah. and you weren't able to cover your goal. Yep. And and we fail to like I I have a lot of clients in the Bay Area that we help do the very same thing. They come to me and they say, Hey David, I hear you and Brandon talk about house hacking. I want to do it, and they want clarity on it. And what I've seen from you know talking to Craig 
looking at his book, seeing how this works in real life, is you're also forgetting, Brandon, that even if you're like, oh, you're saying $1,000 a month I'm not covering. Well, what about the principal pay down on that loan? Yeah. What, what about the true. tax incentive that you're getting owning a home that you don't get when you're renting a home from somebody else? What about the appreciation that's going to be coming in? What about the fact that every year your rent should be going up if you buy into the right market and the economy continues to go better? You're actually getting a lot more benefits than just the rent that's coming in. And when you factor that, it, all of those things into this equation, house hacking is ridiculously powerful. I mean, it yeah. is a force to be reckoned with when it comes to building financial freedom. And I know, Craig, that's actually something that's kind of near and dear to your heart, right? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, the whole reason that I'm doing this right now is for financial freedom and financial independence. And it just, it expedites the process so much because David, like you said, you have all those wealth factors and one thing to add to that is also the rent savings on that. So you still may be paying a hundred dollars, but if you had a comparable place, but renting, you were probably paying close to a thousand dollars. So it's still a $900 cash flow difference. Yeah. But you take into account all of those factors that David just mentioned, the appreciation, the tax incentives, the loan pay down. And I call that the, in the book called the net worth return on investment. So basically how much does your net worth increase mm. with respect to the initial down payment you have? And very rarely is that number under 100% after the first year. That's so basically cool. you make your entire money back in the first year when you house hack. And I think in all the case studies in the book, too, I think everyone had over 100% net worth return on investment, which is why house hacking, I think, is so powerful. That's cool. You know, when a lot of, I don't know if I've actually talked about this on the podcast before, but I'll, I'll tell the quick story if you don't mind. When I bought this house, this, you know, luxury house in, in Maui, I wasn't going to do it. Like, I mean, I, I really wrestled with it. And I came and looked at it and I fell in love with it, which is, you know, rule number one, you don't do in real estate. But I fell in love with this house and I really wanted it. And it meant everything I wanted. And I called David here. I'm sitting at this hotel. We were in town. I called David and I was like, David, here's the, the deal. I mean, David Green here, right? I call him. I'm like, David, this is like the deal. This is the house. I'm, I'm like, I can't do it. It's just too expensive. I don't want to be the guy in like a really good market who's making good income goes and just completely like blows his entire like, you know, budget because he's making good income now, knowing that the economy will go down again. And then I'm going to be, you know, that's what happens in every cycle. Everyone, they spend too much. Right. And so I was like, I just can't do it. I really want it. He's like, well, let's, let's walk through this. Like you're, he basically walked me through that. Like, first of all, the, the cash flow. if you rented out all the units, you can go back and live anywhere else and actually make money. I'm like, okay, well, yeah, that's true. And then he's like, and then how much are you paying down the note? on that multi-million dollar house every single month. Okay, well, that's true. And how much appreciation can you expect on average over the next, you know, is a house in Maui, you know, worth almost two today? Is that going to be worth more or less 20, 20 years from now? Oh yeah, a lot more. So he basically, without saying that word, the, re the return on net worth or the net worth return on investment, like that's exactly what he walked me through. And that's why I was like, oh, I really can't lose because I can always fall back to renting because it does cash flow. Now, if this was not a non-cash flowing property, that's a big difference. But that's that financial independence piece that like financial independence is like the ability to do, at least how I define it, what you want, where you want, when you want, how you want, with whom you want. And so like, I have that freedom here. If I had to just rent out the units, I just rent out the units and move somewhere else, right? So anyway, yeah, David exactly. Green, thank you for encouraging me to buy this and to house hack this. I appreciate that, man. It was a it was a honor to get to be a piece of it. Cause I could just hear the anxiety in your voice. Like it, your heart was saying, I need to do it. Heather loves this house. Like you came and you said, dude, of every house we've saw, this is it. Like, I know she wants it, but your mind was like, it's wrong. I can't do it. And what we did was what we tell other people to do. Don't ask, can I do it? Ask, how can I do it? What would it yeah. take for me to be able to say, okay, let's do this. And Craig, you mentioned something that I think is so powerful and you mentioned that there's comfortability and profitability. And I like to walk people through this example that it's a spectrum. On one end of a spectrum is comfortability with very little profitability. On the other end is pure profitability with no comfortability, right? It's like, Brandon, you had a very similar story. You were sleeping on a couch and renting out every bedroom. You're yep. six foot five of twisted steel and sex appeal <laughs> trying to wrap your stuff into this three foot couch, okay? That is not comfortable for you. But you wanted it so bad that you did it. And there's probably a story to be told about how not only was that good for the moment, but it built up your inner muscle of delayed gratification and being willing to do what it takes and deny yourself pleasures to, to be successful and probably why you became here. Craig, honestly, man, the same thing. You know, side note, I know the first time you were interviewed on this podcast, Josh was teasing you about like renting out your clothes to other people so, yeah. so that you can earn more money. That's a man who's comfortable, right? I'm willing to rent out my underwear if I can get ahead in life. And that's why you've done so well, but you see, you understood this concept. Like that's Robert Kiyosaki talks about in rich dad, poor dad, rich people think a certain kind of way. They're not rich because life gave something to them. Although sometimes that's the case. It's usually what life gave them was a, a parents that taught them how to think. 
and you understood I can choose to be comfortable or profitable. And you pushed yourself as far towards the profitability side of that spectrum as you were personally willing to live with. And that's, I really think the listeners need to understand this is why some people make it in real estate and other people don't because they'll come to me and they'll say, Hey David, I really want a house hack. And I'll say, okay, where do you want to live? And they'll tell me a city where it's nothing but track homes that there's no way you can get an inline unit in there or a split level where you can combine it, or there's no duplexes in that area. And I'll say the only way to do that is if you either rent out the rooms or you literally modify your house to make it a a, a dual uh, income property. And they'll say, I don't want to do that. And what they're really saying is I need to be more comfortable. I don't want the profitability yeah. that bad. And so house hacking is powerful as it is. It comes with the price and the price is your comfort. And, and you have to ask yourself, how much of my comfort am I willing to sacrifice in order to get ahead later and end up like the Brandon Turner buying a $2 million place in Maui. And I think like, Craig, I don't know if a lot of people know your story, but I commend you so much because you embraced that and you did that and, and you were teased for it and you were mocked for it and people didn't get why you were doing it. And now you're starting to build up some like real momentum and we're seeing the fruits of your labors and you deserve to be like put up on a pedestal and acknowledge for, for doing it the right way. And it's really working out now. Yeah, no, I literally couldn't have said it better myself. Like, exactly. Very nice. All right, so let's get into the details about house hacking a little bit, how somebody can do this. We want to make this kind of a how-to episode of the podcast. So first of all, how do you know if house hacking is right for you? That's kind of the first step, right, is you have to decide, you have to make the decision, I'm going to do this or I'm not. So how do you know it's right for you? Well, if you want to achieve financial independence and you want to do it within five to 10 years, I would say house hacking is again, the most powerful way to do that because it is eliminating that largest expense that we talked about, which is likely housing. And you, it is going to be a lifestyle change too, right? So you have to be okay with a lifestyle change to sacrifice in order to achieve that financial independence. Now, I think there is a strategy out there for everybody. And like David said before, it is you know, that whole comfortability spectrum thing, right? So on one end of the spectrum, I would say, which is the least comfortable, but most profitable is you live under a bridge. Right. There we go. You, that's, that's financial and, freedom. Woo. Financial freedom. Right. You'll <laughs> be with cool Mike and the boys or whatever. Under the bridge. You got it. <laughs> In a van by the river. In a van by the river. <laughs> you know, the second, the second way, right. Would probably be, you know, maybe you have a camper or you have a van that you live in on, on your property or a trailer or something like that. The third might be, you know, you rent by the room cause you're still living with other people. Then you maybe have the traditional house hack where you, Right, kind of like Brandon was saying, you have a duplex, triplex, or quad, so that way you at least have your own unit, but you're sharing walls. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum is the most comfortable, which is that luxury house sack we talked about previously, where you have that additional dwelling unit that you're renting out. And so I think one of those, you should fit into that spectrum somewhere, and wherever you fall in that spectrum is what you should do. Mm, that's good. The spectrum of, yeah, the spectrum of comfortability. Com- I, why can't I not say that word? Comfortability. Comfortability. <laughs> and profitability. I like that spectrum that you guys are talking about. Because it's smart. Because it's, it's, people tend to always be like, no, I can't do it because of this. Or yep. I'm not going to be, a, you know, whatever. Ooh, who just wrote that? Was that David? The comfort continuum? I think that's right, Kevin. Was that Kevin? Kevin, Kevin? Kevin, our producer who's hanging out here making sure I sound good. Co- the comfort continuum. That's deep. I like it. I, I like, like it. it. I try to tell people that for everything in life, when they say they want something, the like Brandon, you have such a good line where instead of saying, do I want this? You say, how much am I willing to pay to have this? Isn't it something like that that you're always mentioning? Well, yeah, it's it's like the, the idea. And I didn't make this up. I heard it somewhere, but like. And rather than saying, what, what do I want? It's what pain am I, what pain am I willing to put up with to that, get it? Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. And like Craig has mentioned, is there a bigger expense that almost all of us have than our housing expense? You know, no, Brandon, I, I know the taxes, you, maybe, oh, maybe. Yeah, that could be true. But, you, <laughs> but if you're a real estate investor, probably not. No. Cause yeah. So Brandon, I know that you and I have talked about this before that, that, uh, that when we talk about people living in an expensive area and they'll often say, I just can't get ahead. I can't get ahead. It's yeah. almost always just your rent or your mortgage that's more expensive. Yeah. Milk yeah. doesn't really cost a whole lot more in San Francisco than it does in Wisconsin. And cars yeah. are more or less the same price. Direct TV is almost the same price. Like almost yeah. every one of your expenses is the same, whether you live in a place that you make $11 an hour or $50 an hour. But the housing, the housing is what increases so much. And if you're like Craig and you figured out how to neutralize the housing expense, you get all the benefits of living in an expensive market and making a good income and getting opportunity without having to throw your money back into real estate. And that's where real big wealth comes from. 
Oh, I got this buddy who's like always broke, always broke, calling me, complaining, crying. Like really, it's like always broke. And he lives in one of the most like really expensive city out on the East Coast. And I'm like telling him, I'm like, well, you got a couple options. I mean, the reason you're broke is because your rent is $3,000 a month and you make $12 an hour at your job. So that's why you're broke. And I tell him, I'm like, you got a couple options. You can either house hack your way. Well, my wife doesn't want to do that. Okay, which I actually want to ask you that, Craig, in a second, how to deal with that objection. His wife doesn't want a house hack. Okay, well, then you got to maybe move somewhere cheaper. Yeah, but yeah, I don't want to do that. Okay, you got you got some problems here. Like, you, there's, it's, I don't know, it drives me nuts. And stop complaining is kind of the answer, right? Like, if, if, if you're not willing to take the only options you really have, or go get a better job. Well, I like my job. Okay, well, I can't do anything. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, something's got to give, right? Yeah, something is. has to give. It is, it is a life shift. Yeah, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle change for sure. And you just have to kind of figure it out like, and, for sure. And yeah. here's what people, here's what drives me nuts is like people think, and I, I don't fault them for it because I mean, you don't know until you know, but being a landlord is not that hard. It's scary <laughs> in the beginning, but like having a roommate is not that bad if you had to do it. Having somebody live downstairs, if you had a duplex, not that big a deal. Or if you had a fourplex, who cares? Like you get over it and you, you're not stuck there forever. It's a year or two of your life for the next 50, 60, 70 years of your life, right? If you just sacrifice, I love, I see those memes online sometimes, but they're so true. Like if you just work really hard for a short period of time, you can enjoy the rest of your life for a long period of time. Yet people don't want to sacrifice. They want to eat their Lucky Charms marshmallows and, and just leave the cereal in the bowl, right? But yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want to eat that cereal for a while and then pour another bowl and then eat that cereal and pour another bowl until I have just a huge plate of marshmallows or bowl of marshmallows and that marshmallow milk, right? Mm, it's good. Yeah. Wow, that's, that's a, a different yeah. analogy than I was expecting yeah. you to come with and, that. And, and now I have diabetes. <laughs> so. Financial diabetes with Brandon Turner. <laughs> there we go. Okay. So uh, a couple more questions to throw at you. Uh, we got a lot more questions. How do you find a potential house hack? How do you find one? Like, what are you looking for? So I think everyone looks for something different, right? But what I personally look for is, you know, I really like this whole single family strategy where you rent by the room and I've just never really elevated my lifestyle so I can totally continue to do that, right? But what I look for in a house is one, the most bedrooms and the most bathrooms per dollar, yeah. Right. And so I try to get a, you know, in the Denver area here, I'm looking for five bed, three bath. That's about 350 to 400,000. That's my sweet spot. Right. I know that's going to cash flow rent by the room. You're going to cash flow about a thousand dollars over the mortgage with that kind of property. And also you want a property that you can, I like a property that I can either have a lot of options with. So maybe I can section off the bottom from the top and Airbnb it later, or maybe I can rent it out as a full-time unit because I may not want to manage five people in a property anymore. Yeah. And it has to work as a regular rental as well. Now it likely won't work as well, but it needs, still needs to work so I can hold on to it. And I, I personally also look, look for the location in terms of where is the, the path of progress heading and basically just going in the next little neighborhood over, right? So the, the, the prices haven't appreciated there yet, but you know they're going to because they're building and building and building that way. And I don't think they're just going to like go around my neighborhood where I'm going to be, right? So put yourself right there. And I also look for bike paths, right? Like mm. I'm still biking to work. I still do all that. And again, that also eliminates the whole transportation cost, which is likely people's second largest expense. Yep. So by eliminating house hacking and by eliminating my transportation expense, you're saving 50% of your income just by those two things right there. Yeah, really good. Well, are you looking on the MLS or something more creative to find these? I just go straight on the MLS. I think with this strategy, every single deal works. It's just, does it work for me? Mm, say that, explain Finan that, explain that. So financially, Every single deal that has a five bed, three bath in the areas that I'm looking that are $350,000 to $400,000, they work like a lot. Like between you're looking at $700 to $1,000 over the mortgage at least every single time. And so then I just look at the house itself and say, okay, do I want to live there? Would someone want to live here if I moved out? What are like, how's the parking situation? All of these kind of things. Where does the improvement come in? Is, is the path of progress moving that way? So I just kind of look at the house and evaluate things that way. And yeah, that's basically how I did it. Define, really no can you define what you mean by the path of progress for the listeners? Yeah. So basically cities tend to move in general directions, right? I'm going to use Denver as an example because that's where I live. And so Denver, basically the, I call it like the heartbeat of Denver is right downtown, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you just go south of Denver is kind of already been developed as kind of in the past, in my opinion. But the future, right, is north of Denver. So you look at Rhino, Rhino's an area in Denver where five years ago, you would not step foot here because you'd probably be killed. 
but now it's one of the most popular areas in the city. And so I just keep going north as because it's clear that Denver is moving that way. And so I'm just north of Rhino where the property values are still cheap, but I can still get those, you know, I can still command the rents, not quite that Rhino can command, but still well higher, well above what I can get for the mortgage. And also it's, it's very helpful to know what the city is planning to do. For example, the city of Denver is planning to put a, basically like an empire state building type thing right in North Denver. So wow. I'm, I'm sure my properties are not going to be hurting because of that there, right? That's going to bring tons of jobs and people are going to want a place to live that's close to their work. That's smart. So, hey, yeah. what do you, what's your plan long-term with these properties? I mean, let's say you buy a single family house. Like let's go like house hacking for single family for a minute. Let's say you buy a single family house and you rent out the bedrooms and you live in one of the, the bedrooms and everything's great and you're making good cash flow and you're living for free. And then you, you know, get a girlfriend or a wife or a husband or whatever. And you, you just want to move out. You get a better job in another city. What do you do? Do you just continue renting out by the bedroom? Do you, do you analyze it as what it would be like to rent out just a whole single family house, just to one family? Or how do you look at that? So it kind of depends on the situation as to when that occurs in my life. If that were to happen right now, I would say I would move out and I would rent out my room. And I actually have a couple of property managers that are able to do the rent by the room property management. So they're hard to find, but you just have to kind of keep looking, keep looking, keep looking, and you'll find someone that is willing to do that. And so that would probably be the thing I try first. Now, if that didn't work, again, I also look at the property to make sure that it will also rent out as a whole unit by itself and still you know, be able to cover in excess of my mortgage to have room for those expenses as well. So my, the houses that I have will work both ways, but it's just, it's way more profitable to do the rent by the room strategy. So I'm going to do that for as long as I can extract the most out of my dollar until I decide I don't want to do that anymore or it's too much work. And then I'll be able to sit back a little bit more. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, one thing people ask me a lot, like how they can analyze, like what they should be looking for in a house hack or how do they analyze it? And what I like to tell people, and I'd love to know your thoughts, but it, and it sounds like you just pretty much said exactly what I'm going to say is like analyze it both ways, like analyze it as if you're living there because you probably will. I mean, you're going to, you're going to house hack it, but then also analyze it like you're not going to live there because you won't forever. And so like, you don't want to buy a property that makes really good sense right now. And then as soon as you move out, the day you move out, you're suddenly losing a thousand bucks a month in cash flow. That would suck. Right. So yep. analyze it both ways. Do you agree? hundred percent agree. Yeah. Yeah. And also like when you, when you are analyzing the deal too, I don't know if you want to get into this, but sure. I, I just think that people, a lot of times there's too many numbers when you actually like looking to analyze a deal, right? You have like the payment, the monthly, the mortgage, the insurance, the taxes, the vacancy, the capex, all yep. this stuff. So I just am a firm believer of you need to be a certain threshold over the mortgage for the deal to work, right? Mm, you have your, your mortgage payment. My threshold is between 500 and a thousand dollars or more, but that's, it's going to, it's going to vary depending on your city. Right. And it also varies depending on the property. So on an older property, I'd want a little bit of a higher threshold because there's going to be a little more room for those expenses that come up. Whereas on a, on a nicer property that doesn't need, that's a little bit newer, you won't need your reserves to be as high, that difference to be as high. So, but, but the bigger that difference, the better the deal is going to be. I, I don't think there's ever a case where that was not, not so. Yeah. So I, I just think people get really like all of these numbers get caught up and they're getting, they take hours and hours to analyze deals when it's, I think it's easier to literally go into a property and say, okay, I know I can get about 3,500 for rent for this property. My mortgage will be about 2,200. I'm making $1,300 over the mortgage. That's a great deal. And he, yeah, that's You it. know, what's cool is you don't have to worry nearly as much about the ROI on your huge down payment of 25% that you're dumping into this thing because <laughs> yeah. you're going to a yep. three, 5% down. There's very low opportunity costs. When you actually understand house hacking, both from the person who owns a property and makes income and the person who rents the room from you, because really they're saving money too. We haven't even talked about that perspective, but how much, how much better is it to pay 600 bucks for a room than it is to pay 1500, $1,800 for your own comfortable apartment. When you see how it benefits everyone, you really wonder why does not everybody in the world do this? Yeah. Why is this like this secret that we have to tell people about? It's amazing. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Now you, you mentioned David that you mentioned the three, the, you know, three or four, three, three, three and a half year low, maybe, I mean, sorry, uh, percent downs, like yeah. three and a half percent down, right. Or maybe 5%. Some banks are doing 3% for owner occupied loans, which means you agree to live in the property. So Craig, why can't I just instead just say, I'm going to live in the property, get that 3% down payment and then not move into the property. Like, and then secondly, why can't I just do that every month, every week, over and over and over? What's to stop me from that? 
Well, bank fraud is to stop you from that. <laughs> and if you, or mortgage fraud, I should say. Yeah. And if, if, if the bank does catch you, now they're not like going to your house and looking in your window and seeing if you're actually living there. But for some reason, if they do catch you, that's five years in jail. And I think what's worse, I mean, imagine being in jail <laughs> and being next to the guy who killed somebody or whatever. And, oh, what are you in for? Oh, I just li- didn't live in the house that I said I was going to live in. Like yeah. you also look like a wimp in jail. So yeah, you were. There's really, there's no, there's absolutely no <laughs> yeah. way. Uh, but on the, on the positive side, when you're in prison, not only do you get your housing paid for, but, but you also get your pay. food paid yeah. for. Yeah, or anything. Uh, and no, this is true. No travel expenses, no car expenses. Like really, this is the. This might even be better than homeless because homeless you got to pay for food. Mm. Yeah, yeah, prison hacking. Prison hacking. I, like I believe yeah, we've yeah, talked we talked about this once before. I this think, does sound I think familiar. We may have. This, sounds, this sounds familiar. That's going to be your next book, Craig. This should be the follow up to the book on house hacking here. What, by the way, what's it called? The book, your book. It's called the house hacking strategy. Okay, the house hacking strategy. So your next is yeah. going to be the prison hacking strategy, and uh, that book's going to be a bestseller. I, yeah. I sure hope so. All right. All right. I, I have a question. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go first. Well, I, I actually was going to actually ask you a question, David, because okay. I know I mentioned a minute ago. I, I know you've done some house hacking stuff. But I don't even know all what you've done. Can you explain like your your journey real quick through house well, hacking? And then we'll the, go on to some more questions. The first part is I'm in this really unique position as a real estate agent where not only do I do this for myself, but I actually help other people do it. So I get massive exposure to different strategies and how they work. And that's why I'm such a big fan of Craig and his book, because I've seen there are people that literally did not make sense for them to buy a home until you consider house hacking. And it becomes way better for them. They're spending way less than the rent and they're owning a home and they're getting future appreciation. So in the Bay area, what we have to do is figure out, cause there's not a lot of houses that are just a duplex or a triplex. We don't have many of those. So you kind of have to be creative about how to do it. Like what Craig's saying, renting out rooms, buying houses with a split level so that you live in the downstairs finished basement and you rent out the upstairs. Sometimes that means you got to run a bathroom downstairs. You got to take the plumbing from above and run it down. And there's going to be a little bit of rehab work that would, that would be done. So the first thing I would say is like, don't think you can't do this because there's not just a duplex and you needed it to be a duplex. If you can find one, that's amazing, but you can make it work without that. And sometimes that's even more profitable. The way I do it is super simple. So I live about 12 minutes away from my real estate office in Discovery Bay, California. And what I do is I have interns that want to come work for me, move into my house and rent a room from me and then work in the office where they learn how to you know, build wealth through real estate. And I just rent out my rooms. I'm a single guy. I don't use hardly any of my house anyways. I really only need a bedroom. The kitchen is fine to share with everybody. It ends up paying my mortgage for me. I get to live, you know, 12 minutes away from work. I still have all the space that I would need and I'm not home a lot. So it's not that big of a deal to have roommates. And I just think, Brandon, you said that earlier and it's such a good point is people think in their mind, I just couldn't have roommates. I just couldn't do it. And that's not true. Craig set up, you know, a little divider in his living room and put a futon in there and boom, he's like saving massive money. And it's not complicated. If you can't have people in the house with you, you just cannot do it. Then you just look for a house that has like an area that you can divide. Can I rent out the downstairs and live in the upstairs? Can I rent out this side of the house and live in that? Can I find a house with an ADU? Can I make a house with an ADU? The idea of house hacking is a principle. It's not a like I need to find this thing and run with it. It's the idea that your home can generate income for you and reduce your biggest expense. Yeah, it's called. Have you heard? Have you heard of hedonic adaptation? No, but I like yes, yes, the sir. sound of that. Yeah, it's the whole idea of like basically you get something new or you do something for the first couple of weeks and it feels super uncomfortable or super or super different. But two or three weeks later, it's kind of normal, right? It's like if you were to buy a Ferrari, the first two weeks you're gonna feel like a cool cat in that Ferrari, and then week three it's gonna be your car. So it's the same thing with the house hack, right? The first two weeks behind that curtain was a drag for sure. I was not yeah. comfortable. It was hard. I wasn't sleeping very well. But then. Towards the end, my my room was vacant, but I would still choose to sleep on the futon because that was my bed. Yeah. Right? Now I felt more comfortable there. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just the same you get, same thing. Yeah, you, you adjust pretty quickly. Now, a couple yeah. questions uh, uh, for you. Uh, first of all, is this only a single person's game? Is this only something that, you know, a young 25-year-old, how old are you? I'm 26. 26-year-old guy can do. Or David Green, you know, handsome young real estate agents can do? Or is this something that, you know, ugly guys like I could do? Anyone can do it. I mean, Brandon, you did it. I did it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, anyone can do it, right? It just depends on what strategy works for you and your family. Again, it's going to be harder to live behind a curtain with with a family, but I actually know someone who did live behind a curtain in their living room with a family and they gave me the inspiration to do what I'm doing. So yeah, it was in uh, San Francisco actually when I was living out there. So 
Yeah, it's, I tell you, if if you're okay with being a little bit uncomfortable for a couple weeks before that hedonic adaptation sets in and you become comfortable doing whatever that is, you can absolutely do it. Yeah, that hedonic a- adaptation thing works both ways too. Like, like you get used to certain things. Like when I was first, like, you know, when Heather and I first got married, like we would literally sleep in our car. We did Prius hacking. We traveled around the country in our Prius and slept in the back because the hotels are expensive and we camped more often and like, that was a trip. Now, then we got into like, well, we start staying at Super 8 motels, you know, Super 8 or Motel 6, you know, like the cheaper $70 a night hotels. And yeah. now today, like we rarely stayed in anything that's less than like a, a Hilton or a Marriott, you know? And then like, I mean, I've been, will I get into like four seasons level? Like I only stay at the four seasons. Like I, I, I don't know, but like it works both ways and it's dangerous, right? It's dangerous because you get sucked into this idea of now I got to pay you know, like I, I had a friend once we went out to dinner and I've said this on the podcast before, but I'll say it again. I went to dinner with this friend and he was talking about how he's living just like he's broke. He's living paycheck to paycheck and he, he he's always just scrounging for money. And then he said he made like three hundred thousand dollars or two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year or that, you know, the past year. And I'm like, what? What do you spend your money? on? He's like, I don't know. I'm just like I'm just living. And then he ordered the waiter comes over and he's like, what, what would you like? And He's like, I'll get that bottle of wine. And it was like four hundred dollar bottle of wine. And he just orders it without even thinking about it. And we, we, and I was like, I get it. That's that hedonic adaptation, right? Like that was normal to him and that was acceptable and that was comfortable. And he would not, he, he's not going to buy a hundred dollar bottle of wine or a $50 bottle of wine. Like that would be, that'd be ridiculous. Right. So it works yeah, at all. And, and it sounds like I'm making fun of my friend, but I do the same thing. We all do the same thing, right? We're wearing nice clothes, but there was a time in our life when we were probably in college where we didn't wear nice clothes. We shopped at thrift shops or whatever. Right. So it's yeah. a natural part of life. So exactly. How does somebody, okay, so let's, let's shift slightly from house hacking and go a little bit broader financial independence. What is financial, financial independence and how does that hedonic habitation hurt that? Uh, and how can somebody overcome that? We're on big picture. Yeah, so, here. I mean, big picture financial independence is basically you know, the technical definition is that when the income from your investments, the passive income from your investments exceeds your expenses, expenses such that you no longer have to work, right? And then that basically frees up 40 plus hours of your week because that is dedicated to work. And now you can just go pursue your passion, travel, spend time with your family, or you can continue to work, but now you have all of the leverage and negotiation in your hands rather than your employer's hands. So that's the short and swift definition of financial independence. And that's, I mean, that's again what we do here at Bigger Pockets, right? It's just teach people how to achieve financial independence through real estate investing so they can then go and change the world and do whatever they're super passionate about. And that's why I'm super passionate about this as well and why I love house hacking. Amen, brother. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So I want a house hack, Craig, and I'm looking around and I don't see any for easy ones. There's no duplexes or triplexes priced below market value where I can add value and I have low risk. So what would you tell me that I should do? I would say you have to get creative, right? Now in this, I've heard this multiple times now in in this market, there's no such thing as finding deals. You have to make deals. Sounds so smart. Who says that? Yeah, probably probably David Green or Brandon Turner, but who knows? (laughs) Who knows? Not me. Um, But yeah, so, you know, that's kind of like the same thing that, you know, that I've been doing in the Denver market, right? The first one, I live behind a curtain that was making the deal, right? Now that duplex is on its own and and it works with me moved out because there's two separate units. I was, I was, again, I was trying to find another duplex for a while or triplex or quad, but then I realized that it just wasn't working, right? There were very few that actually worked and the ones that maybe came on the market were gone in the second by cash buyers that I could not compete with. So then I went, okay, what else could I do? And then I looked into the single family home option and renting out the rooms and that worked great. So that would be like, I, in my opinion, the, again, it's the best option because you profit so much and you still have your own living space in terms of like, you have your own bedroom, you're still sleeping behind a door and windows and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I'm not sure. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it was kind of like if I'm cruising on Zillow and I'm looking for properties and I live in Austin, Texas, what type of stuff would you, would you guide people to be looking for, for a house would be a good house hack? Yeah. So the first thing I do is I ask them what their comfortability levels are. Right. So I'm also, I'm also an agent too here in Denver and I help people house hack as well. So first thing I always ask is what's your comfortability level? Are you willing to take the cheapest room in the house and rent out all the nicest rooms? Or do you want the most expensive room in the house? Or do you need your own place? In which case we'll have to look for a duplex, triplex or quad. And then I tell them if you're going to go that multifamily route, again, back to that spectrum, you're going to sacrifice profitability for that comfortability. You're going to pay for that comfort. So usually they end up going with, yeah, it's my first one. I really want to get the most out of this first investment. We'll go with the single family. And usually it's not too hard to convince them that way. 
But again, if they are really gung-ho about having their own spot, I'll look for a place with a separate in-law unit or the duplex, triplex, or quad, stuff like that. Beautiful. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, one thing that we we kind of touched on it a couple times here, but I want to just point it out here about, you know, we talk about the financial side of financial independence. You know, I can pay my bills. I don't have to work. If something happened, I lost my job, I'd be okay. What I think is actually probably the best thing about house hacking is when you eliminate and financial independence in general, when you eliminate that expense, you are able to then take risks on other big things in your life that help you generate massive revenue later on. Like by house hacking, that gives you the ability to quit that crappy job and go take a shot at a startup or you quit your job and go into flipping houses full time or being a real estate agent. I mean, like the reason I told that story right earlier about a friend of mine who lives on the East coast and that, you know, $3,000 a month rent. The reason he like he wants to be an agent, he keeps talking about wanting to be a real estate agent. But I mean, David, you know, the stats like I don't know most however long it takes like agents to make their first sale and how many like new agents make like nothing the first year. He can't yeah. do it. He just he like he can't do it. He can't take that risk. But if he had no payment at all to live, even for like a year again, like that return on potential, we'll call it the ROP, like the return on potential is huge. Like it's millions of dollars for a little bit of uncomfortability for a few weeks until you get used to it, right? Yep, exactly. I think Scott says it. I love the way mm-hmm. Scott says it. Is he says, most people are out there playing not to lose, but once yeah. you're financially independent, you're playing to win. Yeah. So it's totally different, right? Yeah. And yeah, I totally agree That's with you. A, what you it's said. an amazing idea because as you're house hacking, you're probably less comfortable. So there's a part of you that's wanting, I want to get out of here. I want to get out of yeah. here. And how powerful is that as a motivator to get you in there and play to win? Yeah. Isn't it, yeah. Wouldn't you guys agree that's one of the main reasons people don't succeed is like they, they're just comfortable and they're on cruise control and they're having a hard yeah. time yeah. finding that inner beast that just wants it so bad. Well, when you're sleeping on a futon every day and you can't have your girlfriend come over or whatever, it definitely puts a fire in you to, to want to get ahead. And that's such a good point. Like you can access the return on your potential. Wow. Yeah. Cool. All right. Craig, I want to know about the book a little bit because I know it's coming out. You sent me an early copy of it. It's fantastic. Really, 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 really good. Uh, you sent me an early draft of it as well. And like, I read that one and I was like, this is unbelievably good. And like, I mean, not to say I didn't expect you to be good, but I had not <laughs> no, really fine. read much that you had re- written before. And it was really, really well written. I was very jealous that I didn't get to write the book on house hack. And then I read yours. I was like, oh, this is so much better than anything I would have ever written. Yeah, so, I doubt that. No, but- it, it was really good. So. <laughs> That, the book is called The House Hacking Strategy, How to Use Your Home to Achieve Financial Freedom by Craig Curlop. Am I saying that right or is it Curlop? Do people it's, ever say, cur- do people say Curlop? Oh, everyone says Curlop, but it's actually Curlop. Okay. And the way I, I just, you know, 25 years into my life, I figured out how to get people to say it correctly. And it's, it's like Curplop without the first P. <laughs> so Curlop. All right. I like it. Curlop. <laughs> All right. So the book is, you can get it at biggerpockets.com slash house hacking. I know you, there's an audio book version. There's the ebook version. There's a physical book, of course. Then there's the ultimate edition, which I recommend everybody getting because it has all of that stuff included, plus a bunch of cool bonus stuff. But that's only if you get it on bigger pockets, right? But uh, yeah, do you want to explain anything more about the book? Like, why'd you write it? What's, you know, what should people do? Where do they get it at? Yeah. So the reason why I wrote the book was because, again, I think my number one passion is to help people achieve financial independence through real estate investing. And I think the the best way to start and to learn is through house hacking. So I basically yeah. took everything I know about house hacking and funneled it into a couple hundred pages in this book here. Yeah. And so like Brandon said, you can find it at www.biggerpockets.com slash house hacking. Okay. Uh, and yeah, you can get all the bonus content with that if you get the ultimate version. And so that, that'll include a house hacking calculator that I drummed up. It's got a Interview, Brandon. I don't know if you remember doing this, I but do. the one-on-one we do. Yeah. We dive deep into Brandon's house hacking and basically how it got him to where he is today. It includes a, uh, an ebook that I wrote, How to Save Up for Your First House Hack, basically how to save up that first $20,000. And it talks about saving your expenses and all that. And there's much more too. So again, I, I really put a lot of heart, my heart and soul into the ultimate package. Yeah, so. didn't I hear that you did like a video, like walkthrough of your first house hacks or something like that? Yeah. That's yeah, actually, so yeah, cool. A video walkthrough of my of the three house hacks that I've done, and we'll show you basically the rents that I got for each, and the mortgage payments, and all that, and how how it kind of compounds over time as well. That's so cool. And then there's also a live Q and A. And so the live Q and A, do you have the date set for that one yet? 
We don't have it set, but it will be within the first two weeks of it launching. Okay. So I would say before August 16th or so. All right. So if you want to attend October, the live sorry. webinar, the, yeah, the, the Q&A with Craig, make sure you get the book before the, you know, the first, within the two first two weeks of today. Like it comes out today. The book does, I believe that this uh, episode's airing. So get it within the first two weeks if you want to attend that live webinar. And uh, yeah. Sounds good. Now, again, I highly recommend everyone get that book, but we're not quite done with this show. I think next we want to head into the next phase of our show. But the last question I have, though, Craig, before we get to the deal deep dive, I'm just wondering what what are you what are you doing after this? Like, what's your long term plan with real estate? I don't know. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. So I, I'm. I used to have all these long five to 10 year plans, all sure. that kind of stuff. And I just realized that life changes so quickly that it, having those plans is almost, is almost silly. So my goal is to just be as flexible as possible. So anytime that an opportunity comes my way, I'm able to handle it mm. or something comes my way, I can handle it. So I mean, the next couple of years, I'd like to maybe travel a little bit or do something. Um, but I'd like to someday have a family and, you know, maybe kind of do like something like you and David are doing here and like actually just like kind of build an empire like that. But I don't, I just don't know. Like it's, it's well, hard to say. I don't yeah. know, but what I like about that is stay flexible. And, and again, house hacking is a great way to stay flexible. So very yeah. cool. Be flexible. All right. Well, dude, let's get into the next segment of the show. This is the part. I love this part of the show. It is our deal. deal deep, deep dive. dive. All right, this is a part of the show where we dive deep into one particular deal that Craig here has recently purchased or, or done something with. So Craig, do you have a deal in mind that we can dive deep into? Yeah, I feel like we should just do my most recent one, which is one that is not really mentioned in the book because I wrote the book before I did the deal. Okay, so, all right, let's Some go. extra content here. Sweet. So first question, what kind of property is it and where is it located? So this property is a single family house. It's a six bed, three bath, single family house located in unincorporated Adams County, which is like this little no man's land between Denver and Westminster. Oh. And it's great because there's taxes are really low. There's not really all that many rules that I have to follow mm, in terms of, you good. know, Airbnb type rules or rent by the room type rules. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that's where it is. And how did you find this property? Just found it on the ML MLS. All of my deals I found on the MLS and they all seem to work really good. So all right. That's again, one benefit of house hacking. Another one is that like you can make the numbers work on the MLS because it's such a cool strategy. Uh, how much did you pay for the property? Or I should say, how much was the property? How much were they asking for it? And then what'd you end up paying? Yeah. So the, the asking was 390. We, we went under contract for 390, but there okay. were some things that the inspector caught. We ended up closing at 380. So I bought it for 380,000. All right. And is the only negotiation that you use that inspection report? For the most part, yeah. Basically, you know, some electric was a little janky and the furnace was old and all that kind of stuff. So I said, hey, there's at least $10,000 worth of expenses here. And I, so with, with house hacking, right, I don't really care about getting the best price for it because I would rather just get into it and have another month of saved rent. And as soon as I get into that house hack, the, t the timer starts, That's so starts where I can get my next house hack, yep. right? And so I could wait and wait and wait and try to save $10,000, which is what, maybe 20 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or something. But that's nothing compared to the thousands of dollars a month I'm saving. So I really don't care. I, I usually just go in and asking. Such a good mindset. You, so many people focus on winning the battle and lose the war. Yeah. 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 It's true. All right. What about uh, funding? How did you fund this deal? Yep. So I just did a 5% down conventional loan. Very normal from the bank. The 5% down conventional you can use on a single family. You'll have trouble getting that on the multifamily ones, the duplex, triplex, or quad. But you can use the FHA on the duplex, triplex, or quad. Beautiful. Right. And I know what you did with it, you house hacked it. Uh, what was the outcome of that deal? Yeah. So basically the way that works is my mortgage payment on that deal right now is about just over $2,100. I am renting the top half out. So basically it's three beds, two baths on top, three beds, one bath below. And I'm renovating the bottom to turn it into an Airbnb and separating the two. So the, the basement has a separate entrance to the garage. So I'm just walling off where the top meets the bottom and it's totally separate. So now I got a separate entrance Airbnb downstairs and that's going to go for about $2,000 a month at least. And I'm renting out the other two bedrooms upstairs for a total of $1,550 total. So I'm looking at a $3,550 in rent coming in on a $2,100 mortgage payment. That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm living for free. So <laughs> that's amazing. All right. So what lessons did you learn from this deal? Anything you learned? Well, there's a funny one. Um, <laughs> I guess we can get into it. So All right. my, 
All right, we'll get into it. Um, what's the like, one thing you always need to do is screen your tenants and don't take any shortcuts screening your tenants. Yeah. And I got lazy and got greedy on this one and kind of got caught with my pants down and ended up with some really shady tenants downstairs. So what happened was I was doing the rehab downstairs and these people were coming to look at the upstairs, but I had already filled the upstairs. So I said, oh, well, why don't you just come look at the downstairs and see if you'd like to live there. There will be a construction zone, but just a heads up and I'll give you a discount on the rent. And they said, oh yeah, sure. And they both loved it. Should have been a red flag that anyone who wants to live in a construction zone. Yeah. And so they moved in and I had the contractors in kind of pulling up carpet and doing stuff down the hallway. And they said they smelled this horrible smell that they had never smelled before. Something burning. They didn't know what it was. Like, you know, de- marijuana is legal in Denver. It wasn't marijuana. It wasn't cigarettes. He just doesn't know. And so I went and I Googled the person's name who was downstairs and she was on our county's most wanted list Oh no! for, for like, yeah, for very hard drugs. And so I was like, oh shoot, I've got this like meth head in my house and I don't really know what to do. And so naturally I, you know, I, I kind of got a little bit scared. So I, I left, I got the roommates from upstairs out. I called the police and they were no help at all. They basically just said that, oh, if it's her house and there's a lease, she actually has the right to smoke meth in her own house, which I huh. don't know if that's true or not. But either way, the police weren't helping. So then I, you know, I went back to them and I just said, hey, you guys have to get out. Basically, I did a cash for de- keys deal. I said, I'll give you your rent back. I'll give you the security deposit back and give you $500 if you can just get out in the next few days. And they got out and they're out now. But yeah, it was just, a, a, it was a mistake. And I was talking to my friend, Chad, because I knew, I know very much, and I talk about it in the book. I just like, didn't even take my own advice that you have to do your background checks. You have to do credit checks. You have to be very diligent with every single person you live in your house. But I just got greedy, got, felt like it was easy month to month type lease that I let in. And yeah, it came back to bite me for sure. It was a thousand dollar mistake. Could have been much worse. And I'm lucky to get out the way that I did. But yeah, I mean, sometimes they say you have to, you know, touch the fire to make sure that it's hot. Mm. The fire is hot and uh, just, again, dad, make sure you do not take any shortcuts screening your tenants. Such good advice. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, people think sometimes like, I don't know, like I said earlier, landlording is not hard. It's not, but it's also not something you can just like go and do just like, yeah, I got it. Like it's like driving a car. Like it's not like Mm -hmm. driving's that hard, but you wouldn't just jump in the car when you're 12 years old and just assume you know what you're doing. Yeah, no. And you have to be careful too. Like the first deal you'll probably be super diligent on because it's your first one and you want to be really diligent. But then you start getting more comfortable and more comfortable and you start to relax a little bit. And that's exactly what happened to me is I met these people. They seemed really nice. They seemed cool. And I was like, okay, yeah, whatever. Month to month. What's the worst that can happen? Well, that's the worst that can happen. So yeah, yeah. just be careful and don't take any shortcuts. Please learn from that. Yeah. Great advice. Great advice. All right. Well, that was a deal deep dive. Now we're going to head over to the next segment of the show. It's the world famous fire round. It's time for the fire round. All right, time for the world famous fire round. Of course, these questions come direct out of the Bigger Pockets forums, and we're going to fire them right at Craig's face. Are you ready, Craig? Watch out. Yeah, All right, he's dodging them. Number one. After you house hack for a year, because for those not aware, generally you're supposed to stay for a year. You don't have to stay forever, but you're supposed to stay for a year when you get an owner-occupied loan. Any tips for moving on to the next house hack? I'm worried that the bank is not going to approve me for a second mortgage based on my income. So you have to find a lender that works for you. My lender takes the rent from my property and counts it against counts it as income against my debt to income. So I think a lot of lenders will do that, especially if you have leases in place. And so basically, as long as the deal works, your income should be higher than the debt payment on that property. So it would actually put you in a better position. And that mm-hmm. is why you have to actually claim your income on your taxes. Side note. Yeah. Yep. Yes. It will catch up with yep. you if you try not to. Yeah. A lot of people just won't they'll rent out the bedrooms or rent out anything. And they're just like cheating the government. And then they go to get a, a mortgage later. Oh, you didn't make any money. It's surprising how often that comes out. Like, I think I told you guys yeah. I'm starting a mortgage company. And so many people are like, well, how do you make this income count without me having to pay taxes on it? Like, yeah. You don't, you pick your poison. You either break the law and don't get to use it or you pay your taxes and get to. So that's a very good point. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and I would say, in my opinion, being honest and paying your taxes and allowing you to house hack more properties is far and away a better option for wealth building, particularly. Yeah. All right. Yeah, this is from yep. Laura Hines in Laura, Kansas. How do you keep track of expenses? And also, when it comes to taxes, does it get too complicated to do taxes yourself? I'm thinking I might need to hire a CPA. Yeah. So I do have a CPA. 
and she does my taxes for me, but I still do the bookkeeping myself. And I, I, my first year I was just doing Excel because it was pretty easy and, and the expenses weren't too high. But after you start getting two, three, four properties, I was just done with Excel. So I, I moved to an accounting software called Zero. It's like 30 bucks a month. All of my statements get imported into the Zero software and I just allocate them appropriately. And at the end of the year, it's pretty easy for our, my accountant to do what she needs to do to get the taxes done. Very, very cool. All right, let's go with Andrew from Virginia. If you're house hacking in a college town, how do you set up the rents? Because most people go home during the summer, so you won't be able to collect rent for two to three months. Do you just jack up the rent for the year and then have it super cheap during the summer? Or what would you do? So you could just do a 12-month lease. So yeah, they can go home for the summer, but doesn't mean they have to go home for the summer. They could mm, yeah. still kind of hang out on campus or whatever, or maybe get an internship or a part-time summer job or something on campus. So I would still continue to do the year lease, but maybe give them the option to say, hey, if you do want to get out of, after nine months, you just have to find someone to fill those last three months that I approve of. Yeah. I wonder if you could also give people, because I'm a big believer in giving people options, but you know, it's just anything in life, right? Starbucks, tall, venti, grande. I wonder if you could say, hey, the rent is going to be $1,000 a month, or it's going to be 1200 for a nine month lease it works out the same to you, but like dumb college kids would probably be like, I don't have to pay three months in the summer. Great. Even though like the numbers are, you just work it out. So it's exactly the same. I wonder if you could, I bet you people would be okay with that. So yeah, anyway. you could do that too. Yeah. To be creative for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. David, number four. Last question. Does the 1% rule and other rules of thumb apply when looking for a property to house hack or is it different? That is a good question. I never, I kind of, the 1% rule kind of escaped my mind. Yeah. Because I just feel like it is so, it's so different based on each market. It is. If I'm thinking about my math, I mean, I've got a $380,000 house and my rents are 3,500 and it's a very good deal. So it's not quite the 1% rule, but it's close. And I think I got a very good deal. So sure, the 1% rule kind of works, but I don't think it's set in stone because I know properties that are not quite the 1% rule that are working very good. Again, I think the whole thing, there's so many ways to spin it, but if you just spin it that way with, rents over your mortgage with some reserves in there, you won't lose. Here's a good reason why that is too. Uh, Craig, do you know off the top of your head, what are your property taxes per year on that property? It's about 2000. All right. So if you were in Texas, in some areas of Texas, your taxes would be about $8,000 for that property, right? Mm -hmm. So like the difference is, is hundred, you know, four or $500 a month difference in taxes. So that's why things like the 1% rule can be kind of helpful, but they're also like, super flexible because like if you're in Texas, uh, you know, that's a, a lot worse deal for you than if you were in Denver where De Colorado has lower property taxes. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, so like that's, you know, 1% rule again, is it's helpful, but it's super not that helpful because mm -hmm. you still need to actually do the, do the numbers <laughs> like, and look like, what are yeah. my, yeah. Are my taxes 200 a month or 700 a month? Like I mean, is my insurance exactly. going to be a hundred or is it going to be 500 a month? You got to run yeah, those numbers. If you talk to your if you talk to your lender, he'll be able to tell you about what your monthly payment yes. will be with pr principal, interest, insurance, private mortgage insurance, all everything you need, taxes, all of that. So I would just get that number, and then you can just go look at houses and, yeah. and you, you know you, you adjust it accordingly based on the price of the house. But it's not going to change that much. All right, good and good answer, good answer. All right, that was the end of the fire round. Now it's time for the last segment of the show. It's our famous four. All right, the famous four are the same four questions we ask every guest every week here on the show. We asked Craig these once before. We're going to ask you again. But before we get to them, let's hear what's going on this week from my buddy Jay Scott over on the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. Hey there, Brandon and Bigger Pockets Podcast listeners. This is Jay Scott, your co host for the Bigger Pockets Business Podcast. This week on the Business Podcast, we have a fantastic guest. Paige Wilcox is with us. Paige and her husband started a chain of wellness and fitness centers. And on our episode this week, she tells us all about how to create systems and processes so that you can eventually license or franchise your business. So tune in this week for a great show. Now, back to your famous floor. All right. Thanks, Jay, as always. And now let's get to it. Craig, favorite real estate book. I almost don't want to say the same answer I did a few years ago, but I feel like it's it's still the same. Brandon, it's your uh, your rental property book. That was the first book I ever read on real estate. And it really <laughs> got me, book it got me read. I was oh, like, wow, I mean, like good night. Basic wasn't on there. Yeah, good. <laughs> All right. That's cool. Wait, yeah. I'll take so, it. I'll take it. Thanks. Yeah, no, that 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 book kind of really got me going and it got me excited for real estate. And it also introduced me to bigger pockets. So mm, thanks, dude. Great job, Brandon. Yeah. You wrote an awesome. Thanks. Book. 
Craig, what is your favorite business book? Favorite business book is going to be either Never Split the Difference, which we had that guy on the podcast. Chris Voss. David Voss. Chris Voss. Yeah, Yeah. Chris Voss. One of the best books I've ever read. Saved me tens of thousands of dollars with a $10 copy of that book. Yeah. And also the, The Four Agreements is also another one that's really good. It's a little bit more of a spiritual book, but... Just helps you kind of stay even keeled and it's really good. Do you know I'll who wrote that one the like four twice. agreements? Was it like Miguel something? Hmm. Uh, I forget the guy's name. Miguel, Miguel yeah, Diaz Miguel, or something. Yeah. yeah. I try to like, like multiple times I've tried reading that. I still can't get through it yet, but I, I'll, I'll try again. Wow. Yeah. Some people, lo- people I know that's what it is. I need words like good night moon, like good night yeah, yeah. moon, good night. Like, no, like every time I read it, like, I mean, people love that book and I like read it. I'm like, I just, I like read it. It's not bad. I just, I did, couldn't like. Die deep, get deep. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway. I'm amazed. There's a book you didn't finish. You would read the back of a shampoo bottle. Like you just read, <laughs> read <laughs> everything. He reads his receipts from the, the restaurant. He likes to read. All right, that's funny. Well, Great. I'll give it another shot because I, I hear it's good. I just haven't. You know, it's got to hook you. It's like a TV show, right? You ever watch the first episode of a show and like you don't watch the rest? It's sometimes yeah. it just doesn't hook you yet. Anyway, fair enough. Uh, Craig, what are some of your hobbies? Uh, I really love to travel. I like snowboarding in the winter. I love to hike, love to ride my bicycle, love to just be outside, hang out with friends. I mean, love to do real estate type stuff, read, write. I mean, the works. Yeah. Is that helpful? I hear you. Break, break <laughs> and next and cash and checks. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, if anybody wants to listen to the Chris Voss episode we mentioned, it was episode 260, 260. Thank you, Kevin. Nice. All right. A last question from me. Craig, what do you think separates successful house hackers from those who give up, fail, or never get started? It's just being able to get uncomfortable and have that, have that, what, what is it called? Basically be able to be uncomfortable for a short amount of time so that you can, you know, take the rest of your life back, right? Yeah. I Was mean, it delayed gratification? Delayed gratification is exactly the two words I was looking for. Yes, thank you. Yeah, delayed gratification and being able to actually take action on that. And also just not getting caught up in the numbers and just taking action and just doing something. Yeah. Right. Cause you can sit, you can sit twiddling your thumbs and look at running numbers all day too. You're, that's not going to get you anywhere. So yeah, taking action and getting uncomfortable for sure. Cool. All right, Curlop. Mm-hmm. I think you dropped some incredible knowledge bombs on us. I am very grateful that we have somebody like you to kind of break this down and I know it will change lives for people that want more Curlop in their lives. Where can people find out more about you? The best place you can find me is on Instagram. I'm at the Fi guy, just T-H-E-F-I-G-U-I. You can also find me on Bigger Pockets. I'm on Facebook and stuff as well, but Instagram is probably still the best, the best way. And you can also get the book at www.biggerpockets.com slash house hacking. All right. Thank you, Craig, very much. Appreciate it. And uh, for everybody else, again, like I said, go get, pick up the book. It's fantastic. David Green, do you want to take us out of this thing? Yes, sir. This is David Green for Craig the Pants Hacker Curlop and Brandon (laughs) Six Foot Five of Twisted Steel and Sex Appeal Turner signing off. (laughs) You're listening to Bigger Pockets Radio, simplifying real estate for investors large and small. If you're here looking to learn about real estate investing without all the hype, you're in the right place. Be sure to join the millions of others who have benefited from BiggerPockets.com, your home for real estate investing online. The market is changing and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom and the best investors know it's not about timing the market. It's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into the real estate investing game or take your game to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals and enter a few details about what and where you want to buy and bam, instantly match with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all hosts and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. BiggerPockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.